Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening. Helping people where they are at, whether they be whatever their station in life, their age, their economic situation, or their location. Helping people where they are at is more than a mantra. It's a mandate. It is a measurement of our effectiveness in connecting people to the resources they need when and where they need it. Years ago in East Africa, I was working in southern Somalia, delivering food to a war-stricken territory. It was mostly rice, but it was sorely needed. We had a flatbed trailer behind a decent-sized truck, and down the two-lane road we drove. We would stop periodically where a band of tribesmen had gathered, and each group was elated to see us. It was important not to spend too much time in one place, as we absolutely had to get back across the border into Kenya before nightfall. The truck began to slow, and I looked out to see a band of men, few women, waiting anxiously by the side of the road, hoping we would stop and still had some food. This group stood out from the others as they were dressed a little bit better than the others that we had encountered thus far. I hopped up on the bags of rice atop that flatbed trailer and began to pull the tarp off, preparing to hand the bags off to the men below. As I did this, the conversation started and eventually tones sharpened, but I didn't speak this language, and while they were talking so fast, I probably couldn't have kept up anyway. Our guide and partner soon looked up at me and said they want us to wait because their cousins, the neighboring village, are sending the men over to carry their rice. I could not quite believe my ears. In fact, I was mad. My Western value of a work ethic kicked in, and I was upset that they wouldn't help themselves. They are people starving and yet unwilling to carry their own rice that we were providing. It turns out that their culture was so unique, so segregated into divisions of responsibilities, jobs, and labor, that what looked like laziness and prejudice to me initially was simply their culture. One village had the majority of the physical labor responsibilities, and the other had the responsibility for teaching and conducting business on behalf of them and their cousins. Shortly thereafter, a small group arrived, and they all went away with rice enough for everyone, seemingly happy. I think to, to help people where they're at, we have to understand more about them, their circumstances, and how best to help them in the way that helps them best. That understanding won't come easily or quickly. But I'm convinced our initial value judgments about people in need are often wrong because we don't understand enough to understand. Jerry Brisson and I will be right back here on Food for Thought with the leader of Michigan State University Extension, Dr. Jeff Dwyer, who helps people where they are at every day across the great state of Michigan. Come back and be with us.
Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. Food for Thought here. Jerry Brisson, the CEO and president of the Gleaners Community Food Bank and the chairman of the Food Bank of Council of Michigan's Board of Directors. Jerry, great to have you back in the studio, as always. And great to be here. Super. Hey, you got a new mic over there. I do, yeah. It looks really cool. I'm feeling more official by the moment here. Yeah, I, well, you should. If anybody should feel official here, it's absolutely you. <laughs> So I do. I appreciate you. I told you walking in today, I appreciate you doing the show because you add so much depth of thought about this work of creating food security um, and a part of our work as Feeding America across the nation and the Food Bank Council and our network of seven food banks across the state of Michigan. So thank you. Well, it's easy to be inspired by the food bankers across the state, too. Food Bank Council Michigan is doing the best work I think it's ever done, and it's very exciting to be part of this work at this time. So it, it is. it's an honor. It, it's it, an honor. it is. It, it is ex- exciting. And uh, just a little bit of news here. Um, we're, you and I are going to uh, receive an award tonight. And um, and so it's going to be at the um, uh, MGM uh, uh, showroom, and uh, we're excited about receiving that. It's the uh, nonprofit Beacon Award for this show, Food for Thought, and uh, about changing the conversation about food security in Michigan from the the Michigan Business Awards. So I'm pretty proud. Now we're award winning. That's right. That's right. And that's uh, quite an honor. And it'll be exciting to be there and, and with the other awardees. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So congratulations to you and to me and to our producer, Mark Blackwell, and to WJR. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. So in the studio with us is my very good friend, Dr. Jeff Dwyer, who is the director from the Michigan State University Extension, as promised. Jeff, welcome to Food for Thought. Well, thank you very much, Phil and Jerry. And let me start by saying congratulations on the Beacon Award. Uh, That's really a remarkable uh, recognition and well-deserved. And we really appreciate the voice that you guys give to food security and food issues across the state. But I think you're having an impact nationally as well. So we we all appreciate that work very much. Well, thank you. Thanks for making the drive down. And, uh, and, uh, you know, when we first met, we were like just tripping over each other. And uh, we thought, oh, wow, there must be, like, fate here. And as it turns out, it is. It is sort of fate. Yeah, lots yeah. going on. In fact, you and I saw each other in Grand Rapids just last night. So <laughs> exactly. uh, we cross paths in lots of different ways. Well, um, Jeff, you have uh, brought leadership to the Michigan State University Extension. That I mean, the great work it has done historically. But I have to say that your leadership has brought new life into Extension and the opportunities and seeing the need, like we talked about last night um, at the Michigan Farm Bureau event, seeing a need and immediately mobilizing to meet that need. So I guess I would just say, talk to us a little bit about historically about MSU extension, but but quickly get us up to date on what's new and fresh. Right. Well, thank you for those kind words. Uh, it, it, it really is an honor for me to be the director of MSU Extension. It's really a remarkable organization uh, that's existed for 103 years. Uh, uh, overall, uh, we've been in places like Flint, for example, officially since 1912. So that's 105 years. And this uh, year, we're actually celebrating 100 years of being in Detroit. Our first uh, agricultural extension agent, O.I. Gregg, was placed here in Detroit in 1917. And so I'll come back to some things we're doing now 100 years later that we're very, very proud of. Um, 
so think of ex, uh, MSU Extension as the on-the-ground outreach and extension arm of Michigan State University, really tasked with taking the values and the science and the experience of really an amazing land-grant university to all citizens of the state of Michigan. And we do that predominantly by developing educational and training programs built on evidence-based research that bring the, the, the capabilities of all of Michigan State University hmm. and the faculty that work there uh, to citizens of uh, the state of Michigan. So we're excited about that. As I said, it's an honor for me to be a part of this organization. I, I tell the folks I work with often it's a good thing there's a job like director in MSU Extension because it's the only thing I'm qualified to do. Uh, <laughs> we have experts in so many different areas ranging from agriculture to agribusiness to health uh, to child and youth programs, including 4-H and community resource development. So we're very pleased. But as you said, Phil, I think what we've been trying to do more recently is recognize that, that there are other parts about us that maybe we mm-hmm. could spend more time focusing on. So one is from a Michigan State University point of view, we've worked hard in the last couple of years to remind our folks more than 600 all across the state and every county, uh, every one of 83 counties, that we may be the only Michigan State University that people know in some of these areas. Right, and that's exactly. important. They're not just Michigan State University Extension. They're Michigan State University. And that's really Great something point. to be yeah. proud of uh, and to honor. And and really, then, we can become a window to the entire university. The other thing that, that we're beginning to recognize more and more is that we're also more than 600 sentinels out there around the state. We're mm-hmm. part of these communities. We go to church with uh, the people that we work with and for. They're part of our families. We talk around the table with them. Uh, And we we really are in a position, perhaps, for example, to to recognize some emergent problems before others do. And that's important. And so we're trying to, we've always been able to do that at the the ground level, uh, at the county level, out on farms and things like that. I'm not sure we've always organizationally been constructed in a way that we could rapidly respond to that. Sure. And we're working very hard to do that. And and perhaps we can talk more about it during our time here this morning. But uh, you and I talked a bit. In fact, we, we were talking with some of our experts around mental health and farm stress uh, right. yesterday. And we're approaching that in a way that I think is having an impact. But it's also a little bit different than we've approached things before. Yeah. That quick mobilization that has come, come about as a result of your breath of fresh air that leadership that we've talked about uh is evident and um, it's exciting jerry so of course we work together with you uh in a lot of different places with cooking matters mostly but uh but in in other ways as well and um and i what i like um is what you said about evidence-based uh, activity, right? That it's it's not just a, it's not, well, I'll put it this way. It is always enough to do good. It is always enough to do good. But it's that much better to do good that you can prove the impact of, right? And so I know that we've been working on that. I know that that's going to continue. And we think it's one of the platforms that's absolutely necessary to get to a food secure community. You've got to be able to say, this has made a difference for people. And then you've got to be able to say specifically, well, how? Right. So we talk about household stability. We talk about empowering households and we talk about improving the health of households as three pillars of the evidence that we want to capture and then expound on and then really help get this work funded. Because if we can prove the impact, it, it's 
it's something that people want to do from a charitable perspective, but from a business perspective, from a healthcare perspective, and certainly from a university perspective. So in those ways, I think there's so much alignment with, with what you do and what we're trying to do together in our community. Well, Jerry, I couldn't agree more. And and you referred to prior conversations that you and I have. I would say an example of those kinds of things that we want to do more of that you and I have talked about before is you do an amazing job providing food to uh, people who really need it and, 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 and every day thinking more and doing more around getting the right kind of food. We've worked together on cooking matters, but you and I have talked about the same people that need what you offer, the same people that benefit from Cooking Matters, maybe their kids also need to be enrolled in 4-H. Yeah. Maybe they qualify for SNAP or FNEP. Maybe they are struggling with their mortgage and could benefit from our financial management experts. And so I think one of the things we want to think about all of the time is, uh, you know, there's there's that old BASF commercial that we all think about generationally. Right. I think that was at every right. football game right. when we were teenagers and in college on television, you know. But the idea is, you know, we don't do what you do. But we'd like to work with you to maybe add that thing that will make it a little better, a little brighter, a little more impactful in the way that you're talking about. Uh, and the advantage we have is we're all over the state. We're everywhere. Yep. And we work in so many domains. I want us to talk about that, too. And I think Flint is a great example. We're going to do that in just a minute. He's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Jeff Dwyer, the director of Michigan State University Extension. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be right back here on WJR. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Thanks for listening, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson, and Dr. Jeff Dwyer, the director for the Michigan State University Extension, is in the studio with us. And, uh, Jeff, you and I have had this conversation numerous times, both personally and professionally. So, for example, when the water crisis broke in Flint, Michigan State University Extension and the Food Bank Council and our member, the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, we didn't need to introduce ourselves to anybody in those communities. We were already there. And we, I think, got the first taste of really what our blueprint to solve hunger is about, and that is collaborative partnerships where everybody shares. We share each other's pain. We share each other's price. We share each other's priority. And the and the Flint water crisis was a, probably a place, a catalyst for us to say, this is how your team and this is how our team can work together to meet the needs in an excellent, unique, and really um, superior way in Flint. I, I completely agree with you, Phil. And I think that part of that blueprint in Flint uh, that, that certainly applies in other places as well is that that the fact that we didn't have to go there and had those relationships for decades, or in our case in Flint at that point, 103 years, right. uh, meant that there was trust, that there, uh, we're talking to our friends in Flint, we're talking to our neighbors, in some cases our family members, and there was an opportunity to, to address 
the the crisis in a number of different ways. And I think for us in extension, that extended, and you've heard me talk about this before, we did that in classical ways and that we provided some of the education about how to use filters. We right. provided some of the education about how to get your soil tested and what to think about in terms of garden. We also were able to use our 4-H Companion Animal Club mm-hmm. to help teach kids about the lead in the water issue because even if they weren't going to pay attention to why they shouldn't drink the water out of the faucet for their own health, they certainly were going to care as it related to their companion animal. Exactly. Uh, so, so we have those opportunities. But I think another thing, and you and I were both at the Farm Bureau State Conference uh, dinner last night uh, in Grand Rapids, but uh, it was also an opportunity to invite in other partners sure. who might not have traditionally been a part of that experience. And Michigan Milk was a, a perfect example who've yep. now, I think, uh, brought nearly 100,000 gallons of milk to Flint and residents in Flint since that time. It was great to see Ken Nobis last night at the at this event. I think, too, that the, pr- the, the primary example for our collaborative process was, so at the height, we said, oh, my God, there's this lead exposure and and you know and greater minds than mine came up well here are some foods that are lead mitigating Mm -hmm. and we can deliver those food i mean our people are logistical geniuses we can get stuff from a to b better than anybody and the commodity that we trade in most and you mentioned it is really trust I mean, food is the evidence of it, but it's really about trust. Right. But you guys were able to come alongside of us and us come alongside of you and provided the educational component to why these foods matter most now. We could never do that. We could not do that. That's not our specialty. And, you know, we were smart enough to know what we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and as you point out, we can't do what you do. And so I think that's really the key to this. It's finding ways to partner that really maximizes uh, the strength of what we all bring to the table. Uh, and, and I think I referred earlier to Extension as uh, the window to the rest of the university. Sure. You recall that in the early days, it was the ability to go get this very accomplished social geographer who was able to do some mapping to say, in addition to the food sites that you are already utilizing here are a few more that would be really impactful right in terms of you the need to be here yep. because this is where the exposure is exactly paramount exactly and and i think we would say sort of thinking of that as a blueprint that we can use around the state then with sure. you and with others is that's where the value of us having over 600 full-time people in every county of the state. And so you and I have talked about uh, the West Michigan Food Bank and the fact that you send a couple of semi-trailers a month up to the Upper Peninsula that come back empty. Right. Well, we work with farmers in the Upper Peninsula who don't have a big enough market to sell some of their product. And so you and I have gotten our people together to talk about could we develop a context whereby we could fill these semis that right. will benefit farmers in the, in the Upper Peninsula and help provide some of the produce and other things that would be beneficial uh, downstate? You know, that's called, uh, it, the name of the project is called the Deadhead Project. Now, we might have to come up with a different name, than that, but, <laughs> but it's what it is. And, uh, and you know, and then I, I know Jerry's chomping at the bit here, but the smartest thing you and I did was get our people together and get out of their way. Yep, <laughs> that's for sure. You know, in so many ways, though, and, and a lot of the next steps that we're trying to take in terms of really accomplishing a food-secure community, we have to... We have to um, 
take advantage of these innovations and getting smart people in the room who have problems to solve and and are who can look at the problems we're solving and we solve them both at the same time, you end up doing more for less. And of hmm. course, that's one of the things that, that we think is, you know, part of the answer. Innovation and really, we've, we've done a lot of things really well, but it doesn't mean we can't do them better. And as we add smarter and, and better partners, um, we're going to do things better. And the other advantage to the university, I really think for us is, I don't have a staff of people who are looking at research every day. Mm-hmm. Now, I now I have people that look at research often. Sure. But you have people who are literally looking at research every day, people throughout the university who are discovering things. And we know the speed of change, especially as, this, as mobility improves and, and meeting people where they are is, right. is something that we know we have to do. To be on top of that research as it's happening, to know those results and be able to respond quickly to what we know is going to be better so that we continue to spend better and better and better. And we know that's going to be part of the solution to a food secure community. So, you know, these are these are really good reasons for why this partnership makes so much sense. Yeah, well, I, I agree, Jerry. And, and, you know, just so many of the examples, um, you know, I think sometimes people think of the work that you and Phil and your colleagues do at the point of the pantry and people actually getting food, which is at the end of the day, if you mm. have to choose to do one thing, that's what you're going to do, right? Yeah, right. But, but I think what sometimes gets, gets uh, less attention is, I mean, here we've talked about a couple of things that couldn't be done without the unbelievable talent and skill you have in logistics. I mean, if people really understood the volume of what you do through the food banks in the state of Michigan and the logistical capabilities it takes to do that, their minds would be blown. Yeah, I I saw a number last week, and I was, and I do this every day, right? And I was blown. 181 million pounds of food through the network last year. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And if you, you know, divide that out by, what is it, 1.2 pounds, USDA says, you get the number of meals. It's in- incredible. Unbelievable. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, is a, it is a fan. And I, I went through it kind of quick, but I think the thing that makes it work, uh, Jeff, is that it's natural. This is organic. You and I didn't sit down and get on a, a, a drawing board, and it, it just ha- it happened. It was organic. And I think we do share each other's priority, and we share each other's pain, and we're we're able to share uh, each other's payment. I mean, we've got resources to bring to the table. You've got resources to bring to the table. Sometimes that's people. Sometimes that's money. Sometimes that's opportunity. But when, when a collaborative has those three things and everybody's sharing those at the same level, we really have the potential to, to change this state for the better. You're right about that, Phil, and I think it goes to your comment about us getting people together and then getting out of the way because, <laughs> you know, you and I were talking with some of my folks last night about behavioral health right, uh, and, and, and mental health and the focus that we're putting on there. And, you know, if I had said to the folks that you were talking to, we're going to assign you to that for, for the next year and here's the 20 things you're going to do. That would have been a complete waste of time because they're way smarter than I am <laughs> right. about what needs to be done. And a few months in, they're already doing things that I never would have conceived of that are having an impact in people's lives every day. Well, I think that's a great role of leadership is that we want to equip our teams to be able to do this work effectively 
and then let them go do it. And that's the fun for us because we get to go around and be on the radio and talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're good encouragers and braggers. And that's what uh, changing the conversation about food security across the state of Michigan. That's why we do the show here, Food for Thought. Dr. Jeff Dwyer is in the studio with Jerry Brisson and myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to Food for Thought here on WJR. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Jeff Dwyer is with me. He is the director for the Michigan State University Extension. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we are talking about um, really, uh, you know, we deliver food, right? We get food to people who need it, and they need it most. And I said one of the commodities that we trade in most is trust. And so when we invite people or we find partnerships, uh, we want to make sure that they're worthy of us sharing that trust. And I think another point for our partnership together, Jeff, at Michigan State University and Michigan State University Extension is uh, you already have that trust, too. And there's something else, Jerry, that really we trade in as well, and not just food and not just trust, but hope. You know, we're, and part of why we're changing the conversation around food insecurity is because how long has it been before people actually believe this could be solved? And if you don't believe it can be solved, then how can you hope for it, right? How can you feel like it's worth striving for? And so hope is a really important part of, of, this whole conversation. And I know you've got some pretty exciting things going on uh, over at MSUE that's giving you hope. And so why don't you give us some of those? Yeah, thanks, Jerry. I do have a lot of hope. I think, let me first just make a comment about uh, Michigan State University Extension as an organization. I mean, a big part of my hope is based on the fact that we have hundreds of extraordinarily talented people. uh, And I think that organizationally, we're doing a better job of creating an environment that will help them do the work that they do at an even higher level. Uh, and that, that comes in ways ranging from competitive salaries in the marketplace so we can retain and, and, and be competitive there, but also making sure that they have the professional development opportunities and other mm-hmm. sorts of things. Uh, not that those haven't been there before, but we're really taking a focus on that. And in fact, uh, this year are specifically focusing on individual and organizational health in the organization and implementing some workplace wellness uh, uh, protocols and ideas that we've never done before, including mental health. We've challenged our entire organization uh, to take the full-day first aid mental health program that's nationally recognized, evidence-based, and it will make a difference in our Mm -hmm. ability to not only recognize issues within our organization, but to better deal with those that we work with throughout the state of Michigan. So that gives me hope. Another thing that gives me hope is that as we post positions, uh, as they become available, the caliber of the people that we're having having the opportunity to talk to to fill these positions, outstanding, Hmm. just outstanding. And often lately from non-traditional parts of the professional environment. So these are people that might have the skills that we're looking for, 
but they weren't necessarily born and raised in our environment, right? They're right. coming in from outside. And I think that, 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 that they share our values and have that experience and then can bring those alternative e- expectations uh, uh, really uh, is a source of hope. I would say we've talked about a big source of hope for, or a big reason that I, I am very hopeful is just the level of partnerships. I mean, we have an amazing partnership with both of you and with your colleagues um, in the, in the uh, food bank environment. But as we saw again last night, our partnerships in the agricultural community, sure. uh, our partnerships uh, in, in, in medicine and in health, public health, uh, rather phenomenal. Uh, and then in child and youth areas uh, and in 4-H. Uh, the opportunities and the partnerships that we're developing there give me great hope. And right here in Detroit, I think we have exciting uh, new evidence of, of hope and sort of building on all of the things that we've talked about here in the last few minutes. On uh, November 16th, uh, with President uh, Luana Simon, we had the opportunity to announce uh, the, the establishment of the Detroit Partnership for Food, Learning, and Innovation. It's in the riverdale Brightmore area of northwest Detroit. Uh, it's on the site of the former Houghton School that was raised a couple of years ago. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to really use that as a locus for urban agriculture. But more importantly, it's an opportunity for us to build more partnerships and to work together in other ways. So already, even though right now it's an empty piece of land that, that we're and we're going through the site, pan, site planning process with the city of Detroit, already in January, working with our partners at Wellspring Communities right across the street, we're going to be doing gardening classes so that people are ready in the neighborhood to be ready to go uh, in the spring when uh, the snow and cold goes away. Uh, we're already starting a health and nutrition class in January. And these are on top of programs that we're already doing in those neighborhoods, but it's an opportunity for us to do even more. And we hope that uh, in 2018, uh, we'll be able to break ground on the initial portion of a facility that will give you and us and all of our partners a place to hold classes, to meet groups and to do other things. It's very exciting. Then it allows us to bring you in. It allows us to bring our colleagues at the Product Center and Eastern Market in sure. to talk about growing businesses. And so we're very excited. And, and that's just one example here in Detroit of, I think, hope is, is something that we do have and that we think about every day. And we're looking forward to being part of even more great things that happen. That's powerful. Man, those are some pretty cool things, Jeff. What are you doing in your spare time? <laughs> I drive around the state and talk to people. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, you two. I mean, I love the I love the story, Jerry. I got to get your reaction to to what Jeff just shared. Well, you know, I think one of our challenges is to not just do more, but do it better. Yeah. And these are the kind of things that reflect that, right? Mm-hmm. You, we have to do more. The The problem of food insecurity is not solved. But you can't just do more. You have to do it better because resources are going to be constrained always. So you do more and you do it better. You do that by supporting really good people. The things you talked about in terms of your own team and, and making sure you have the right people doing the right things and bringing people with different perspectives who are going to broaden how you think about things so the solutions you craft can be even more impactful. You talk about being present in the community where you're going to have trust and then and then that hope spreads, right? It it catches on, if you will. So the more partners that are part of that, that's about doing not just more, but better. And I think that that's a 
a really critical part of the solution as we as we solve difficult problems like food security. So it's very exciting to me. I I mean, we're proud to work with you. We have been for many years, and uh, it's just further evidence of why we are. So I think the first responsibility of leadership is to define reality, but the true test of leadership is to create positive change. Not just change. Yep. But positive change. I mean, anybody can wreak chaos. <laughs> That's pretty easy. True. But what you're describing in these neighborhoods here in and around Detroit is about creating positive change. Well, thank you for saying that, Phil. And, you know, I think uh, part of that uh, leadership and part of the opportunity and another reason for great hope is that we have a responsibility to expose our organization to all of the opportunities. And I think a good example of that is just uh, about six weeks ago, we had our annual fall conference here right in downtown Detroit, over 600 people from MSU Extension. And I'm reasonably certain that between half and three quarters of our organization had either never been to Detroit or had not been here for a long time. So they got to see Detroit. They got to see the amazing things that were going on here. Perhaps more importantly, over two and a half days, they got out into communities in Detroit to see the great work that you and your folks, that my folks are doing here in Detroit. And that's true of what we do all across the state. Excellent. Hey, we're going to come back in just a moment. We want you to come back and be with us. He's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Jeff Dwyer from the Michigan State University Extension, and I'm Dr. Phil Knight. You come back and be with us. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Well, Dr. Dwyer, we held you over. So, you know, normally guests are like, you know, we chop them off, and, but nope, we held you over because uh, the conversation is riveting. And, it's, you know, any time that you can bring, uh, you know, the, the basics of life as, uh, you know, food, water, but then when you attach hope and trust along with those, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty exciting conversation. So thanks for staying over. And I want you to talk about one other aspect of the work at Michigan State University Extension. We talked about it last night, and that's really about the mental health approach. Right. Um, so we really want to increase and, and really expand our focus on all of the health needs that people have in all of their walks of life. And uh, we've long done things like mindfulness training in the mental health environment and stress, uh, stress-related training. We certainly do a lot related to physical health, but we're really taking a much more intentional approach to behavioral health mm-hmm. uh, and, and also including substance abuse in that as well. Uh, and, and that's important, right, because we have folks all across the state who have been impacted by the opioid epidemic, for example. Uh, At our fall conference during my uh, time talking to our organization, I pointed out to them that with 600 people in the room, I could be reasonably reasonably be assured that between 50 and 75 of them had had a serious uh, experience with depression over the course of the previous 12 months. It's just Hmm. a part of our daily lives in all walks of life, but we don't pay enough attention to it. And so we now have some very talented behavioral health folks who are focusing on that within our organization, but are also uh, planning and getting ready to lead community conversations around everything from mental health and depression uh, to opioids and other sorts of things that people are dealing with every day. Wow. You know, I I just have to say, I think one of the reasons we're going to win this Beacon of Light Award today 
is having people like Jeff on the show talking about this stuff. I mean, you know, when you start connecting the dots and realize how integrated all this stuff is, it's what makes it interesting to listen. I mean, so what a what a really important piece of work to to continue to be smarter and better and connect all these dots so that we can all move forward in the community and uh, it's just very exciting. Oh, it's very exciting. So I think about the work of Michigan State University under your leadership and I think uh, I love it because it meets a need, whatever that need is, and you're so much more fluid and adaptable to move and meet a need in a community. You meet it in a unique way. Nobody else is doing this. You meet it in an inspiring way, and watching your team work, you do it with excellence. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate uh, that sentiment, and uh, we couldn't do it without the privilege of working with partners like uh, both of you and the Food Bank Council and the independent food banks and and many other partners. So it's, uh, you know, as I said earlier, it's an honor for me to be a part of Michigan State Extension. It's uh, fun for me every day because we get opportunities to have discussions like this. Uh, and we're really looking forward to uh, many more new opportunities to add to our, our sense that there's great hope. And I really appreciate uh, the privilege of being on Food for Thought this morning. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. Great. Now it's time for a little Food for Thought. Carl Jung, the one-time mentee of Sigmund Freud and founder of Psychoanalytics, said, Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to understanding ourselves. I'm convinced that helping people where they are at is as big a challenge to us personally as it is professionally. Let's be strong enough to meet people where they are, not where we wish they were. Catch up on all of our award-winning shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Follow me on Twitter at DrPhil14. And thanks for listening. And until next week, remember, food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.